the second chapter of Philippians. Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. As was read there in Philippians 2, says there in verse 8, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. If someone humbles you, that's called humiliation. Jesus, according to the Bible's story of Jesus, as humiliating as the cross was, Jesus humbled himself. He chose that path. And as was read also, the very first verse read in the the reading, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So there's a call for us to be humble. Sometimes we talk about how special we are. That's important for us to realize our value before God, that we were created in God's image, that God saw enough value, redeeming value in us, that his son would die for us. Jesus said a man shouldn't get up, give up his soul, even if it were that he could gain the whole world in the process. That we should not exchange the whole world for even one soul. That's how valuable We are in God's eyes, and yet we're called to be humble. We're called to be humble. This is one of those phrases, James 4 and verse 10, that some would call a paradox. That you have to empty yourself to be filled. You have to become poor to become rich. You have to humble yourself to be exalted. Humble yourself, the brother of Jesus said. In the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It's a difficult quality to incorporate into our lives. True humility is a very difficult quality to incorporate into our lives. And the reason it's difficult is because humility is not weakness. Humility is not saying... Look at small little me. I'm so small and insignificant. You see how humble I am? I'm just over here being small and insignificant and weak. Somebody abuse me, slap me, walk on me so I can be humble. That's not humility. That's not biblical humility. Biblical humility is not low self-esteem. It's not being a doormat. It is, in fact, strength under control. You may have heard this illustration before. I know I've, I've 
probably used it too many times. But on a bus, there's a story, true story told of a man on a bus. And he's sitting in the back of the bus. It's late at night. He's the only person on the bus until these three young, drunk, punk kids get on the bus and decide to harass this guy sitting in the bus. And he's just sitting there, hunched over, his head's down, he's minding his own business. And these three young guys are just harassing him, chiding him. They won't stop. They're, they're looking to pick a fight. And then the bus pulls up to the next stop, and this man slowly stands up, revealing he's a massive human being. And as he's walking to exit the bus, these three young kids, wide-eyed, he hands them his business card. And the business card just said, Joe Lewis, professional boxer. Joe Lewis could have pulverized four slow, drunk punk kids. But he harnessed that strength. He, I, I like the illustration because Joe Lewis was not weak. He could have, he could have uh, grabbed on to the pride inside him and said, I'll show you who's stronger. And he could have. But he didn't. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You catch the nuance there? It's not thinking less of yourself. I'm no good. I'm just a nobody. It's not lowering your value. It's understanding your value and not dwelling on it in the mirror every morning. <laughs> Look at me. I'm so valuable. Thinking of yourself less. Humility defined simply means a modest or low view of one's own importance. It comes from the Latin word humilitas, which means low. Again, to be put low is to be humiliated, but to put yourself low is to be humble. And so it assumes dignity. You have to be high to put yourself low, if that makes sense. You actually need to have a sense of self-worth before you can take on the role of being humble. Humility, simply put, is the noble choice to put others before yourself. And Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, right before our reading. He said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Why? Because you're worthless? No, because you see the worth in others. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for your own interests, you should look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do we think about others? If we don't, we lack humility. Humility is thinking about other people. And this is important for us to hear because this is countercultural. Get what you can. 
you know, you got to take care of number one, we hear people say. We think in terms of promotion, upgrade, increase, winning. We don't think in terms of downward mobility. We don't think in terms of demotion. We think only in terms of up. And yet Jesus said, look down. Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humiliated. It could be translated that way. Will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Of course, Jesus, as was read in Philippians 2, we'll get there in a minute, was the great example of humbling himself. You've seen this verse on a lot of plaques. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. This is an if-then statement. If we humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, then God says, I will hear you from heaven and will forgive your sins and heal your land. Humility is a required quality for God to bless a person, for God to hear the prayers of a person. We have to be exhibiting this quality of humility. And God has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? It's all over the scripture. Psalm 149 and verse 4, the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the humble, the humble with salvation. Who does God help? Who does God rescue? The proud and arrogant who don't need God? No. The humble, people who acknowledge their need for God. In Proverbs 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Pride is the only disease, my dad used to say, that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. You probably heard him say that. Even secular, humanistic psychologists, not, not Christian psychologists, secular psychologists will tell you there is a great advantage to being humble. I, I try... Once a year or every other year, I'll read a book on uh, just something that relates to work. Some, you know, management improvement, some, some skill improving kind of book. And most of those books, whether they use this word humble or not, most of them have a reference to the attitude of a person at work, on the job, Nobody wants to work for an arrogant person. Nobody, you, you can see a self-serving boss from a mile away. Nobody wants to work for a self-serving person. Um, our society values humble people. They value, they, they reject elitism. And when you see someone who is so self-aware... 
that even though they have great skill, they're still humble enough to treat the mailroom clerk just as kindly as they would appear. We value that. We want to work with those people. We want to work for those people because it promotes learning and growth. Paul said in Colossians 3, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, put on humility, meekness, long-suffering. Here comes some more, uh, I think, related to humility. Bearing with one another. It takes a humble person to even forgive another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Humility is important for many reasons, but here's just a couple. One, humility is important because, as I said a moment ago, it shows self-awareness. It says, I'm not perfect, um, and you're valuable. When you treat someone well, when you serve another person, you are acknowledging the fact that you're not better. That is only going to make for better relationships in a marriage, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. Never looking down on someone or talking in a way that makes it feel that way. Humility is also important because it enables you to be more compassionate and patient and understanding. And therefore, you're more likely to help others if you're humble. Socially, it's also uh, going to make you more approachable. And if you're more approachable, you're going to have greater influence. If a Christian is, especially a Christian, if a Christian is full of pride, they're not going to be of much use to God. Not many doors are going to be opened up to the prideful, arrogant person that nobody can stand to be around. Because all they want to talk about is me, me, I, me, I, me. You know those kind of people? Aren't those fun dinner dates? Hey, how you doing? Oh, well, let's just cut to the chase. Why don't we talk about you? Let's talk about your favorite subject, you. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. This is something we are all called to. And to be clothed with humility. It's, it should just cover us. Remember that one time I was humble? That's not how you talk about humility. Remember those two times? No, there was actually three or four. A person clothed with humility is what we're looking is what God's looking for. It's not just that humility is going to benefit you in your reaction in your interaction, sorry, with others. More importantly, it's going to benefit you in your interaction with God. Why is humility important? Because God resists the proud. You can't be in good standing with God if pride has taken over. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So now going back to Philippians 2, where the scripture reading, uh, or scripture reading from today, before verse 5, Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or because you're conceited. But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better 
than himself. You know, you're not better than me. That's, that's not the Christian view. The Christian view understands one's value and worth, but still says, I'm willing to serve anybody. I'm not better than anybody. Let each one of you look not only out for his own interests before the interests of others. And then he gives us the great example. Have this mindset. Let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Here's another translation. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus wasn't holding so tightly to what he was before he became a man. He actually became a man by his own choice. There was no grip. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. Now we know Jesus was still fully God because he accepted worship. He had the power to forgive sins. He said, I and the Father are one in John 10 and verse 30. Yet he was willing to let go of position, privilege, title, that sort of thing. And it begs that we ask ourselves, are we willing to loosen our grip on our prerogatives, our privileges, our position, our possessions? Because we tend to hold tightly to that stuff. You ever meet someone, hi, I'm Jim. Oh, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. I'm the president and CEO, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm that. Okay. There was a joke when I was working at the office in L.A. Um, people called me Bob. Because on one occasion, I was introduced to a person, and my friends just happened to be there. I'm, hi, I'm Jim, and he started off with, hi, I'm so-and-so, I used to be the deputy director, did this, did this, and that, and I invented this, and I started the internet, and on and on he went with, you know. And after he finished talking about himself for two or three minutes, he said, nice to meet you, Bob, because he had <laughs> forgotten my name. And from then on, my friends started calling me Bob. But people have a hard time. They find... They find their value in the, the nameplate on their desk, that, that they worked really hard for their degree, that they worked really hard for their position, that they worked really hard to build their business, that they worked really hard to buy their home and their cars and their stocks, and hey, you know what my stocks are doing? Yeah, we don't care what your stocks are doing. Jesus did not hold on to heavenly title as if it was something he had to grasp onto. Instead, he made himself out of no reputation. He not only loosened his grip and laid aside aspects that would have kept him from being human, I don't understand all of that, but he took on the form of a servant. 
All right, Jesus, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. What do you want to be down there? You want to be an astronaut? You want to be president? You want to be, I'll be a Jewish carpenter. He was a Jewish carpenter. He was not a king. He wasn't a statesman. He wasn't a banker. And he came in the likeness of men. Not only was he born as you and I are born. Right there with the, the, uh, the animals, no room at the inn. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. No hemlock drink, no cyanide tablet, and then a Sealy, Serta, Spring Air, Stearns and Foster mattress to die on. Because crucifixion didn't just kill you, it tortured you. I don't know that you can get any lower. How can you lower yourself anymore from where he was in heaven to where he ended up? Dying the death of a criminal. I don't know that you could lower yourself any further. And even in his death, there was humiliation. They spat on him. They struck him. It just reminds me of that Joe Lewis scene. I mean, Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. The greatest story ever told is not a rags-to-riches story. It is a riches-to-rags story. It's not a started from the bottom, now we're here kind of a story. It's a downward mobility, top-to-bottom story. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Have this mind in you. Was Jesus of less value because he was a carpenter? Was he unimportant because he wasn't rich? No, of course not. Have this mind in you. Know your strengths. Know that you have strengths. Know that you are better than other people in certain things, but you don't have to brag about it. Hi, I'm Jim Lloyd. I type 107 words a minute. How about you? Oh, is that it? You don't have to one-up people. Yeah, I had both whiz- I had two, uh, two teeth pulled. Oh, that's nothing. I had four. I had four pulled. Those people. We don't need to be those people. We need to, and we'll talk about this more tonight, have the mindset of Jesus in that upper room in John 13. While a couple of disciples are arguing over who's the greatest, once again, he girds himself with the towel of humility and washes their feet. And the God who has washed your feet and my feet now calls us to be humble and to serve as well. Every time, Every time you put someone before yourself, you are acting like Jesus. We always talk about be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? 
Every time you put the interests of someone or put someone before yourself, it could be as simple as you go ahead of me at the grocery store, whatever it is, you're doing something Jesus would do. We're going to sing the invitation song here, but the message for us is to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves in God's sight, because then God will lift us up. Jesus gave up his right to glory, and he came here in the form of a man, in the form of a servant, and he died the death of a cursed man. But he did it for us. That's the only reason he did it. He did it because God so loved the world. He did it because Jesus so loved us. It was a substitution, 2 Corinthians 5. His life for ours. If you're not a Christian and you've considered Christianity, you've studied to the point to where you know it's true, you know the Bible is true, you know that Jesus really did in history, not in some fairy tale land, really did live a perfect life and die, not for his sins, but for yours. And with that belief, you're ready to take action, to repent, to follow him, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. If we can help you do that or help you in any way, won't you come forward while we stand and while we sing?